This is Brandon Andrus, and this is Bro, Bible, and Beer. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to Bros, Biles, and Beer. This is Jeff. It is episode 148. We are so many days away from total annihilation in the United States. Hey, Zach, how you doing? Zooming without tubing. Andy? Fire-lockalypse. <laughs> Scott? Seven days. Stand back, stand by. Yeah, so we brought a prophet in. Hi, this is Brandon Andrus, and you're listening to Bros, Bible, and Beers. <laughs> Just one Bible. <laughs> we share the Bible. But the real name is just beer, and you're more accurate with beers. That's better. Well, I was with uh, guys from another podcast this weekend, and they had another name for you, so I'm sure you'll remember it. Oh, did they? <laughs> was it the Heretic Happy Hour? No, I was with uh, the past. The pastors. Oh. oh yes, Them's guys. Yeah, I haven't listened to that one yet. Did we get a mention? No, no, I, I was uh, bourbon tasting. Oh, nice country. Yeah, yeah. Now, Brandon, where are you? Where are you from? I forgot. Uh, I live south of Indianapolis in Columbus, Indiana. Okay, that's right. Yep. Yep. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us late and before. Good to be back. Um, it's been too long when you, you had a hell of a blog post series entitled hell. That was like 10 parts over many, many, I, I started out, I intended it to be three. So you know how that goes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was some series though. Yeah. Yeah. When you were writing that, that, uh, that's always a, it's the type of topic that brings Scott and I together so mm-hmm. that we can tear each other apart. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I meant to have you on back then, but people can check out your, uh, your site for that. And who knows, we don't know where this is going to go tonight. So we'll, we'll see what happens. That's a good point. Maybe speaking of that, do a little intro for the listener of who, who is Brandon Andrus? Yeah. It's been a couple of years. What's your pronoun? What's changed? <laughs> uh, let's see. No, I've been, uh, man, it's been crazy. I think like every other creative, uh, for me, that's in writing, um, everybody's doing their art during COVID. So I finished another book. Uh, I finished a novel, uh, a fiction work. And so that has been, I think I started last October. I finished in June and sent it off. So it's in process now and who knows, you know, when it'll come out, but congrats! Um, I haven't done as much writing on the, uh, on the blog. Um, I've done some posts this year, but not as many pulled back a little bit. I mean, there's an ebb and a flow to writing for me. And honestly, I, I don't try to force anything. I've got to feel it. So there has to be some real passion and some energy around some topic. And so, uh, it seems like lately it's had to do with uh, the state of our country and the character of people and who we are as individuals and really just kind of evaluating um, where we're at as a country and people on both political sides or ide- ideological uh, wh- or, or whatever end of the ideological spectrum they're on. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I've been doing since the last book. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's good to hear that you're... <clears throat> It's good to hear you're you're talking about the character, uh, character of the country. I mean, we have plenty of characters in our country, so things are very entertaining. That's that's for certain. Uh, 
Well, that'd be a great uh, slogan uh, or something you put on a T-shirt. Uh, too many characters, but not with enough character. Oh, I like it. So I, I want to say real quick, I want to butter you up a little bit because uh, just so you know, I you are one of the people that I've been following. We got sort of connected through the Inglorious Pastors, Um And you're one of those people that I've never met in person, but it almost feels like I have and slash I would love to, you're one of those people that I would love to the most that I haven't met that feel like I know you a little bit through your work and some online engagements and just someday though there will be some pressing of the flesh and some drinking the beer and uh, and I mean that by like hugs or if, if Nick, hey, if, Zach, if you need a if skin on skin happens, I'm okay with that. Hey, if you need some uh, hashtag me time with uh, Brandon right now, that's fine. Yeah, can you guys step out for a second? I'm a he him just in case. You're... Okay. I'm a he haw. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I mean, um, I forgot what I was going to say about that. So you travel a bunch. That's all right. You travel, well, yeah. Well, and also, I was going to say, based on your your little intro, you've got this. Correct me if I'm wrong. You've got this thirty thousand foot view perspective of things in general, whether it's spiritually, politically. You you seem to operate above the distractions of individual props. Like if, like in a parable, you can get distracted by the props that Jesus is using, like the individual little details, and you miss the bigger picture of the parable. And you're some you're a guy that sees above that, which I really appreciate. And unfortunately for you, that makes it prone to anger people of all different perspectives. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I don't think that I ever intended it to be that way. I think it's just the nature of who I am and what I write about. And it's even today I was talking to a coworker and they, they were talking nothing about my writing and they were like, you know, you're kind of a 30,000 foot guy. They said the same thing you did. So hmm. that's the place where I like to operate. It gets me into a lot of trouble with specifics, uh, with my wife, uh, with other people <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a, I'm a big picture thinker and that's the way that I kind of see. Yeah. I've always explained it like this. I mean, it's kind of like those connect the dot books. I always see dots and then I see how they're interrelated and connected. And that's what I try to, um, what I envision, what I see is what I try to articulate and write about. So, I mean, that's just the way I've always been and the way I've done it. Um, but you're right. It, it's come with, uh, it, it, it was easier to pick on, uh, I shouldn't say pick on. I, I wouldn't do it intentionally. It, it was easy to call out the misgivings of evangelicalism because that's what I grew up with then. Um, I'm starting to see now, um, having grown the number of progressives that I hang out with, um, kind of the misgivings of the progressive movement as well. And so it makes it, you know, and there, there's a lot of volatility there. I'd say probably as much or more than uh, the evangelicals that I've called out in the past. So, uh, yeah, it, it makes it a strange place with sometimes not a whole lot of friends, but uh, grateful for the friends that I have. Well, I know we want to get to brass tacks because we kicked Brandon Anders around a whole lot today on uh, Voxer and uh, texting back and forth. Uh, just, um, I think we all really have 
I mean, just thinking of our the last conversation a while back, but then looking at going back to a lot of your blog posts and ideas and just what you're mentioning right now, um, I think uh, I think we're going to have a good conversation tonight. But I, I know either Andy or Zach, you had a, a pretty good Andy question. was, uh, well, maybe, well, yeah. I, so I, I came into this. I, I wasn't familiar with any of your stuff. So I got to kind of. Don't Fine. be offended. Please forgive Andy. <laughs> it's his first time with you. Okay. First of all, where do you come off? No. <laughs> uh, no. So I got to, I, I came in with zero preconceptions and it was really interesting. Uh, Zach had sent over uh, a couple of your blog posts, uh, the politics of Jesus. I think were a couple of these that were, were older that were, you know, 12 years old or so. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and I originally, I started reading right away and Brandon, I was so disappointed in your writing. <laughs> well, it's funny because I saw there was a lot of activity on that post today. <laughs> that, see, cause I just recently upgraded my blog site. That's awesome. Going from newest to oldest, like fixing everything. And I haven't gotten to those posts yet. And so I see the activity. I'm like, Man, they look like crap. What is happening? <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, I fix it. <laughs> I was, I was pleased to see that you've made improvements later on. But your, <laughs> your gratuitous use of the ellipses in that first paragraph is unacceptable, Brandon. Eight, man. There were ten <laughs> ellipses in your first paragraph, and uh, uh, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't even care what you said. You lost me in the ellipses. I, I, I was, <laughs> hey, I was, I was defending you, Brandon. I'm like, oh no, I'm all about the ellipses. I yeah. wondered if your <laughs> comma had broken on your keyboard. <laughs> it's because I went through that phase because I was like, you know, I just want to write how I talk, and yeah, then, you know, then I, it grew, I grew old with it uh, quickly. So yeah, I went back to those and took some of them out, left a couple. Yeah. And then when I fast forwarded to uh, 2016, yeah, you I was so pleased to see the lack of ellipses everywhere and the writing <laughs> and the grammar and the punctuation was so clean. So that's really all I came to talk about tonight. So great job, Brandon. I love the improvement. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> yeah, we'll average it out. You get a B minus for the class. I'm kidding. I have lots of thoughts. I think you brought. I think you bring up a lot of really interesting things. And it's funny how I mean the way that Zach teed it up for us was uh, just how these blog posts that you've had uh, four years ago, twelve years ago still have a lot of validity today. They, it still feels like we're dealing with at some level or encountering these same kind of concepts and topics. Um, so they I, either they're timeless or we are. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think you're right on one of those for sure. Um, probably the former and not so much the latter, but yeah, I think that that's why <laughs> I think that's why we can read the Bible two thousand years later and still find it incredibly relevant if we read it the right way, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> there, there are things, uh, there are principles, there are values that transcend ideology, that transcend polit politics, that transcend divisions and race and everything. And it's like we get, we have, I mean, for so long, uh, get caught up in the minutia. Um, not that we can't um, honor and identify differences between us because we are incredibly diverse people and we're going to have different opinions, but there's something that we can agree upon that transcends that, like you said. And I think that that's, 
that's the part that Jesus talked about. That's why Jesus was radical then. Um, but but there was a message that transcended it. People weren't ready for it then. I mean, that's that's the that's what got him killed. Um, I still don't think that we're ready for it now. I mean, the people who ought to be the ones championing something transcendent amidst all of the division were the ones perpetuating it. Uh, I have a, a question regarding your stance politically and um, as a Christian. If you were to, and I don't know if there's any difference, but just thinking about what you did write and your thoughts from 12 years ago, 13 years ago, is there anything you would say to yourself 12 or 13 years ago from, you know, Brandon today in terms of like your stance then and now? If you were in fact timeless, (laughs) go ahead. I don't think that, um, I'll, I'll say it this way. I mean, there's no question. Uh, I've changed a lot in 12 years. I mean, the ellipses prove that. Uh, <laughs> well, outside of writing, <laughs> maybe more than anything. You know, I, I think that I, I've kind of had this interesting trajectory and it, it's been this really interesting circuitous route that I've taken. And, you know, so I, I think back at that time, it's like I was reading a lot of Tolstoy and the kingdom of God is within you. And Tolstoy is just anti-government and he's more, um, uh, I would say, apolitical in the strongest sense of the word. And he is very strong, moralistic Jesus guy, you know, of like. I listened to that because of you. I, I listened to that book because of you. And it was uh uh, convicting to say the least. I'm like, I came away with it. Like, man, I'm a, I'm a shitty Jesus follower. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, anybody reading that particular book would walk away and be like, there's just no way. I mean, but I I took it to heart because I thought, man, this is one of the first people that I've really ever heard within Christianity. That's calling people to take Jesus seriously at, at a real life level, you know, and then, Fast forward um, to the election of Trump, you know, a lot of people threw that in my face because they're like, hey, look, you know, you're saying uh, for Christians ought to be out of the system, Christians ought to be apolitical, Christians ought to be ones who don't necessarily take on the label, but we stand amidst that uh, working towards peace. Um, showing grace and love and mercy towards others, working on behalf of other people. Um, But we just can't afford to do that. It's like the stakes went up so much, I think, for so many people that they're like, what you're talking about is not pragmatic. It's it's very idealistic, very high-minded. But sounds great. For that at a life level. Does that mean... Can I just translate that really quickly? Does that mean that you you don't believe that Christians should be in politics at any level? Well, I mean, so after that conversation, it got me thinking like, you know, is is it a fallacy? I mean, can can a Christian be in politics? Um, Yeah, I I think as we sit here today, I've I've even thought about it more. And I think, you know what, I, I don't think that being one who follows Christ um, should take away our responsibility. I mean, it, it ought to make us even greater in 
it ought to cause us to be those who are working on behalf of people who are suffering injustice. I mean, that's the nature of the Christ. Brandon, do you so, think I mean, do you think yeah. politics is a distraction from uh, our that, I think that politics is inevitable. I mean, right, it, right. What we've what we've created absolutely is a distraction. Uh, for Christians, absolutely. Sorry. I just think, I, I, here's the thing. I, I think that the problem that we have is that we want so badly to identify with a side or a label that, like, what I would imagine Christianity being or a Christian being in today's culture is one who steps back, who um, ha- maybe has really strong convictions about something, but isn't lambasting uh being incredibly divisive, yelling at people, right. trying to work from the top down, trying to change the system through the political, um, you know, uh, legislative all the time. However, I mean, on the other hand, I mean, <laughs> what, what happens when there's legislation that actually works against people? But then again, you have people on both sides of the issue who are fighting for their belief that that's their version of Christianity, so, I mean, yeah, you, you, you tell me, I mean, where's the easy answer? I mean, I, I don't think that there is. I think that people can have their convictions. I think that we stand up and we work on behalf of those who are suffering. Um, I, I, I don't think that if we have this belief, though, that from the top down that we're ever going to solve uh, injustices, we're not. We can curtail them. We can um, help help eliminate some of it, but it's never going to change people's hearts. And I think that that's really the fundamental thing that I see is that I don't think that we can, I don't think we come out of the political system to the extent that we ignore it or we don't vote. I think maybe the step I have taken and maybe what I would tell myself 12 years ago is, Hey man, you can participate in the process as long as it's peaceful, as long as you're affirming the worth and value of other people, as long as you are not um, right. name calling and being belligerent or hateful. Um, because I think that we're, we're in short supply of people that can actually talk anymore. We're in short supply of people can have peaceful dialogue. We need people that can sit around a table. I mean, I have actually listened to interviews lately on podcasts where people with radically different positions can actually have a conversation. Rose Bubbles and beer. Work, work towards compromise, but we've been set up right. in a system where we can only, I mean, and we live in an all or nothing culture. I mean, and that's really yeah. the mental problem that we have. It's like, you either believe this or you are wrong. You are, you know, you're going to be canceled. You are a, a yeah, it's Whatever. it's the idea that we disagree and you're a bad person because of that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. We we can't hold those two things in tension. That that maybe we don't see eye to eye on a given topic. It is the that it immediately goes to I must demonize the other person. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and I think that that's, I mean, and and that's one of the areas where I think within progressivism that I've seen where it's like, man, if you, if you vote for Trump, then you are a racist. And it's like, wow, you, (laughs) every single person who votes for Trump, a racist. Well, and I think you, you alluded to- Maybe half of this podcast, if I dare say. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think that some of what that stems from is- uh, Marshall McLuhan has the the comment: the medium is the message, which is based and and the idea that if we are living if we are living in you know snippet clip culture, where where you can't 
you can't extend a thought beyond 30 seconds and the engagement doesn't exist beyond one line to you, one line back, one line to you, one line back. Yeah. In my mind, that's what came up first when you mentioned the breakdown of, of true discourse. Oh, you're right. Yeah, and also on that, piggybacking on that, there's this thing that happens when you have a history with somebody. If you're good friends with somebody, uh, this is less political and more theological, but Scott and I, we just have a long history. There's a built-in uh, ramp of trust and friendship that insulates us, I think, from drastic differences. Like you could say we define God very differently and maybe even make an argument that we're not worshiping the same God. I would argue that. Yeah, Scott would. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and I would say I don't even know what worship is. So, you know, <laughs> but, but, uh, there, there's this built-in trust and experience and and uh, benefit of the doubt. And when you on, online, we're exposed to so much and so many different people and different ideas. And your first impression is that little sentence they gave. And that's it. And so your brain puts that on them. That is who they are. That little sentence. And that is messing us up big time, I think, as part of this conversation. The only the only thing that gives me hope there is to know that that the largest podcast in the history of the world is Joe Rogan, which is three plus hours long and is long form discourse. <laughs> like, I'm not going to say it's at its finest, but it's an awesome example of it. And the fact that it is the most popular maybe gives us a little bit of hope that people find the value in that and recognize why that's important. I hope so. And it's a good reminder that, okay... He's talking to Duncan Trussell for four hours and they're going to talk about comedian stuff that I don't care about. Like, I don't need to sit there and listen to it. Yeah, That's fine. Skip that episode. Skip it. Oh, now yeah. he's talking to some intellectual that, you know, Joe is like, I can't believe I'm talking to this person. I <laughs> don't know anything about what this guy's saying, but I'm curious and I'm going to ask good questions. And yeah, that's there's something yeah. there. And one of the big problems is when people use... They're, they're talking and they use normal words that they use every day and people use every day. But then someone gets it in their brain that this word all of a sudden means something different. And we saw that with, uh, I think, the representative from Hawaii uh, when she's questioning Amy Comey Barrett. Preference. And she says that the uh, sexual preference, that word is very offensive. And it's like, since when? Since when is saying sexual preference? When is since when is that offensive? And then of course someone goes and finds clips of all these Democrats on the Senate floor uh, using that term. Using that term, it's like where where do you come up with this stuff? Just like defining uh, uh, we're not the word Nazi and fascist and racist. They these all these words have different meanings. That that's part of the problem too. Well, and that is it, there is a little bit of what you were describing. I can't remember who said it. If it was you, Brandon, or someone else in here, that 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 it is sort of this very um, not not in reference to race, but a very black and white culture. Like we are living in extremes. There, the light switch is on or it's off, and either either I am highly offended and you you are a Nazi. Or, uh, or you're on my side. Ones and zeros, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all everything is very very binary. And, and, and that, and that approach does not lend itself well to discourse at all. Well, I, I mean, I think that what we've created 
is that kind of culture though. I mean, we're in an online culture where virtually, um, uh, you know, what nine, I would say 90 plus percent of the conversations that we have are snippets, sound bites, uh, sentences, status updates, arguing online. Um, and it's very literally ones and zeros. <laughs> <laughs> like it's actually just binary code <laughs> running through binaries built into the system of what we've become. Yeah. Um, so you get into quantum computing, but <laughs> right, Zach, the breakdown of dialogue number one has eroded trust number two, and you mix that with politics, and we have a system that is just sick. And we we've, you know, is it the chicken or the egg? Have we perpetuated the cycle or? Uh, do we fuel the fire or do we fuel it or are we becoming uh, what they give us? And I think it's a little bit of both. Um, we, we kind of buy into what they're giving us and then we fuel it with what we put online and how we react to it. But I think, you know, I, I saw this and, and it works both ways. This is one that I just remember because uh, during the Senate confirmation hearing, um, I had not been watching it and I just flipped on for a second just to see what was going on. I think they were making closing arguments and uh, Cory Booker was speaking and I really kind of just picked up in the middle of what he was saying. And I was, I was utterly blown away with what he was saying. And he was just like being so, it seemed so humble and contrite and just like, we've got to do better as a country. We've got to do better as legislators. We're, you know, we are in a bowl here in the middle of our country, burning division, animosity, hatred. And here we sit, you know, not inoculated from this. And we could very well start paving, paving this path where we could heal some of the deep wounds that we have in our country and then I was like, man, I love this and he guy. Turns it. And he was like, but they started it. <laughs> and, like, you know, and then it just went back to this retributive tit for tat thing. And I thought, man, like, there is no way we can do this. There is no way with the current system that we have, unless we start aligning and, and meeting each other around common transcendent values that we will ever, you know, go beyond these deep wounds and deep divisions and rifts that we have amongst each other. And the problem is, is that being that we live in this very incredibly deep binary system where people really only believe that that's the only way to live, we keep on digging in further. That, so That reminds me of a I keep meaning to quote this so or uh, pull the clip so we always have it on standby. But it it was during one of a, a rally where Madonna was speaking and she screams in the microphone. I think it was uh, a women's march or something like that. But she said the words, "We choose love. Fuck you." <laughs> and and I'm like, that is amazing. That is it in a nutshell. In a nutshell, we're we're on the side of right, and I, I'm not saying anything about that particular march or any of those details. Like there's there's going to be good and bad in all of. But that's no amazing matter. when you pull that out right. just alone. You just isolate that. You're yeah. like, it's a perfect wow. example. There was a, there's a, t a girl. I don't know if it's on TikTok, but someone put a, a leftist freakout compilation on YouTube, and there's a lady. She she has a shirt that says "Love Wins," and she does this thing. I don't know if she's lip syncing it or what, but it's like. If you vote for Trump, we're gonna break, break, break your kneecaps, and it love wins on her chest. Yeah. It's like, 
So there's this yeah. disconnect. Um, Brandon, I want to, this almost goes back a little bit, but it ties in. You've got this, um, almost like you're, if you're a superhero in this space, this is your origin or correct me if, if I'm wrong, but there was somebody that it's when you were a little bit more like Patriot, uh, American Christian Republican type. And I, I don't remember if it was a pastor or a leader that, that just, that was more closer to where you are now or saw past that binary th- thinking. And they, he had no patience for you. He's like, you're never going to get it. You want to speak about that a little bit? Yeah. Whose side are you on? What's that? Yeah. Whose side are you on? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those stories that goes back. Um, it, it's probably been twenty five years ago at this point. It has to be because I've been with my current employer twenty years. So I'd say it's like twenty three years ago. But man, it it still hits me really hard, and it's more pre- relevant today than it was even then. As I think about the culture that we're in, but I I was deeply entrenched with republicanism. I was a good little conservative and my friend and I were going to do this, um, this, this, uh, I don't even know what you'd call it. Kind of a rally, uh, some sort of political rally. And, 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 and like the, um, perfect little Republican evangelical that I was, we wanted to have, um, political speakers come in and also like a Christian musical artist come in as well. And I was contacting the uh, artist agency trying to get a hold of the artist. Was it DC talk? <laughs> What's that? Was, was it DC talk? <laughs> it wasn't. The super tones. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. We threw you off. I, I shouldn't say who it is. Um, okay. No, even though it would be great because everybody'd be like, Oh yeah, that didn't make sense. But, um, Stave Saker. After, <laughs> uh, after this back and forth of a couple of weeks, they finally forwarded me to the head of the agency. And that, that's who I was talking to is the, the big guy. And I told him what we we're doing. And he's like, you know what? He's like, I, I don't think the artist will be down with what you're doing. And I'm like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. What do you mean? And he's like, yeah, I just don't think that he believes that, or he said, nor do I believe that politics, uh, that uh, Christianity should go forward through politics. And I was like, I just don't understand what you're talking about. I mean, and literally I had no, to, I, I had no idea what he was talking about. Mm. It's the first time in my life that I had ever been confronted with really anyone pushing back on this idea that Christianity and politics do not go hand in hand. And so I pushed and I'm like, man, I don't understand. Like, why don't you just tell me? And, and he so ungraceful. He was like, you know what? He was frustrated. He said, people like you will never get it. (laughs) And I was pissed. Yeah. I I would have punched that guy at the time. Um, In the name of Jesus. (laughs) Actually, I would have thought that Jesus would have just told Peter to cut his ear off. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. So, I mean, that hit me pretty hard. And, and, you know, probably 10 years later, I did get it. No thanks to that guy. Right. Um, and But I think that that's really the, the issue that we have is like, 
man, we, we are so quick to just paste people into these stereotypes, these categories, and that's what you are. And that's what you always will be. And you have no possibility of ever changing. And we've written you off and, you know, and it could go either way, right? It could go you, whatever, but, but that's what happened to me. And I, I, uh, does that help anchor you? Like keep you grounded to like the, the, the people that maybe you're struggling with patience wise, and like where they're totally different from you, but you had that moment where this guy's like, you're not going to get it. People like you are not going to get it. And and how that pissed you off. Doesn't, it doesn't now um, at all. Um, that's, I feel like that whenever, whenever you try to root your life in the love of Christ, that something there manifests into what you've become and how you treat other people and what possibilities that you see for them the story matters to me now because it helps me paint the perfect illustration of like people who look at me and say, well, man, you, you know, you, you are, uh, you have these certain beliefs or ideas or you're at the certain level of faith or whatever. And I'm like, do you realize that I'm very likely the person that you, you, who the person I was back then is very likely the person that you're against right now. Like, do you not see that you could be the person giving up on me? And hopefully um, I'm doing my part now to extend the kingdom of God in my life. But it's like, how many people are we closing the door on because of our uh, lack of mercy or um, just the lack of grace that we're giving them? You know, I'll tell you this. It, it, I always go back to this. I've talked to, I talked about it many times. I don't think that I've mentioned it here, but there was this show. You guys remember Super Size Me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the guy who did that did this uh, 30 Days uh, television show. Did you see that? Morgan Spurlock. Spurlock, yeah. So he took, (laughs) in this uh, television show, he took people from completely opposite ends of the spectrum. So it could have been anything. So like in one episode, there was a lady who was an illegal immigrant and, and there was a, a guy who was uh, a border agent and the guy was like staunch border agent. He was, you know, like, if we catch you, we will send you back. No mercy. This is my job, whatever, you know, Spurlock brings them in and has, has them live together for 30 days and they document it. And so she became a, a documented illegal. She became a border agent. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> At, documented. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the uh, 30 days, this guy just, his heart just changed. It didn't change his occupation, but it changed how he saw people and the mercy that he had on people. And you know why it's because they had, meals together proximity they got to know each other they looked each other in the eye he saw her kids he heard her story he heard about where she came from and what she's doing and how she's trying to do it the right way and all of a sudden any label any characterization just started to melt away she was a human she became this figment of someone's stereotypical imagination she became a living breathing human being and that made all the difference and so to me, that that's where it's at. I mean, we, we have a long way to go. I mean, we, we have to literally be the first, we, we have to, con- 
continue to bang this drum. We have to have dialogue. We have to be willing to dialogue with people different than us. We have to be willing to share a beer with somebody different than us or have a meal with someone different than us. We have to get to know people, you know, and rediscover humanity in each other. Well, it, that's, that's an interesting thought because one of the things that I wrestle with a little bit is, you know, we, I think we as humans have, as a human culture have short memories and, and I wonder how unique is our current set of circumstances? Is it so different than it was 50 years ago, a hundred years ago, 150 years ago, 1500 years ago? Are we living in times that are unique uh, and, and like this is the apex of the of the valley of discourse. <laughs> it, it, it'll it'll change. So we're, I mean, humans are the same, right? Yeah, but it, it, like the point is, like, is this a special time? Are we are we unique? Is this unique in all of human history that we've we've reached this poor this poor level of discourse, or is this no. our current flavor? No, no, it's it's happened before, and in in, in America we'll. we'll We'll yo-yo back to something. Something will happen and we'll nationalize, get behind one movement again, right. uh, like a 9-11. McCarthyism. Uh, McCarthyism, fighting them, them commies. Uh, but you know, like at other other countries too, um, they, they go through the same thing. It's, yeah. it's not unique to- Tribalism was not just recently invented. Right, just like racism and capitalism and right, all those things the US didn't invent, right? You know, the, one of the things within the last couple of weeks that I've been thinking about, I was going to write a post on this, and then I was going through all of these old posts, fixing them, and I realized that I wrote it 12 years ago, I guess, also. There is a, and, 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 and to answer your question, I mean, this is proof that we live in it exactly the same time and that it's just cyclical. Yeah. I, it was that it was when uh, Jesus stood before the riotous crowds and they're chanting and he's before Pontius Pilate and they're off in a side room before they go out before the crowds and Jesus, he said, you know, are you king of the Jews? And he said, you know, Jesus answers him talking about he's a king, but not a kingdom of this world. If I did blah, blah, blah. And then, which this is so, so right now, Pilate says to ask Jesus, he says, what is truth? And I think, man, <laughs> that question's as relevant now as it was 2000 years ago. We, we are, a, I mean, that's probably near the apex of the Roman empire, right? And they had every idea, they had every, yeah. uh, I mean, whether it be political ideas, philosophical ideas, religious ideas, all this, every land that they took over, it was just a melting pot of cultures and traditions and everything. And they'd probably heard everything. They'd seen everything. It was as pluralistic as could be, even though they were very monolithic and taking it over. Um, and I, I think that there was this sense within Pilate where he's just like, you're just another guy talking about truth. And he's like, what is it? And I think that we live in that culture right now where we are incredibly pluralistic, where everybody has an idea about everything. I think we've, we're post-truth to a, to a certain degree, or maybe to a large degree, where people 
may not even think about one, what truth is, or even believe that there is truth beyond your own truth. And there Jesus stands before this riotous crowd that's chanting. And it's like, man, people didn't even want the option of truth. You know, they, they wanted Barabbas. They wanted the, the criminal, the one. And, and I thought, man, th- this is today. We, we have crowds and crowds of people chanting. We have people, you know, and I'm not going to say that. I mean, obviously, we protest when there's injustice, right? So, and, I'm, and when there's not injustice too, right? But <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that's the problem. I think that's the problem with people. They do things under a a certain pretense, and they call it injustice when they don't. When there's not even all the facts out there yet, and so I think you have people on on one side going out and protesting when they, maybe they shouldn't be like the, the circumstances really aren't right for them to protest given what they're actually saying, but they have their truth, man. I mean, well, but, but that's the problem. And then so, so the people on the other side, yeah. What, what are the people on the other, other side supposed to do uh, when, when they, they're looking at the situation and they're saying, wow, it's really, this really doesn't qualify for how you're protesting. And like we were talking about before, and then this other group is saying, well, you don't, you, you're not marching with us, then you're X, Y, Z, you're racist, you're, you're this. So th- that's, that's the problem when, when people are, they're actually out there doing things, affecting people's lives. What are you supposed to do? So, and I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about initially too, is should Christians be involved in politics and what's the difference between uh, political um, uh uh, uh, electing politicians who are going to pass our laws and being in, involved in movements, which are political, like, like you're, you're going to go and march for justice. That's a political movement. Or at, at, I guess you'd have to really separate the difference between a march for justice and um, not being politics somehow, not being political. So there, there are, I think at certain there's a certain sense in which those things are merged because they do affect our lives, our everyday hey, lives. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> no, that, that's actually a really interesting point. I was talking to my 14 year old about this today and she, her one comment to me was she feels like the current environment is such that every single thing that you say and every position that you take will be interpreted as political one way or another. Mm-hmm. And it just feels turbocharged i'm i'm barely paraphrasing her words but from a 14 year old if, if that's being picked up by a 14 year old you know clearly there's a, <laughs> it's bleeding all over the place it's in the air right yeah. yeah and and uh and i think that's or if you yeah you criticize someone like a, you criticize an actor or an actress and that becomes political you're like you're making a critique of their movie. It's like that 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 becomes a, a yeah. politically motivated or, or charged. There was something that you said earlier, Brandon, and, and I and I thought about this too. Is that the I I think that the idea of when when you promote relativistic thinking or or the idea that that you know everyone's truth is everyone's truth, in some ways that can also be a discourse killer because the the conversation kind of it kind of halts at that point right we can no longer interact when when all of a sudden zach is like well in my in my truth the lakers didn't win the 2020 championship and at that point i'm like 
it's time for you to leave my house. <laughs> it didn't. It was actually the Clippers. <laughs> now you really got to leave. As I dug into this, and I haven't completely exhausted my study of this, but I just started, because I think I'll probably write on it some more, but in this dialogue, this question with Pontius Pilate to Jesus, where he says, what is truth? I mean, Jesus didn't answer. And I went through the entire Gospel of John looking for what the truth is, because John mentions the word truth 22 times in his Gospel, and there's only one time where he says what the God, what the truth is. And what was that? What was it? I can't even remember. Is it Jesus says, <laughs> is it <laughs> kind of the Jesus point. says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No, uh, well, I mean, but that doesn't tell you what the truth is. Well, I mean, it tells you who it is. I mean, sure. He says, it, he says that he is the way, the truth and the life. Hold on one second. Well, you, but you can't, you can't like completely divorce that from the whole, the whole narrative of the, the Bible and moving into what the, the gospel and right, Jesus being it, the lamb of it, God. And it is and very interesting. God so loved the world and whoever believes in him shall not perish. You can't you, like just be, just because uh, the like, word truth specifically wasn't used. Doesn't mean that truth is not implied. <laughs> right. The, or right. that there isn't such a thing as truth. Um, right. But it is very interesting that Jesus, there's a lot of questions asked of him and very often he would answer with a question or would, would just like, no, here's where I want to take this. I'm not going to give you the answer you want. Let me tell you this story. Yeah. I don't think. So, I mean, you can take a look in the gospels though, and truth is barely mentioned the word truth. And if it is, it's just talking about like in this one, it says um, he chose to give a, to give us birth through the word of truth. Uh, Another one says, um, the word became flesh. Uh, well, I wrote that about something. <laughs> I don't think you wrote the word became flesh, Brandon. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, he says, your word is truth. So there's the most declarative statement that John makes. Your word is truth, which is the logos. And, and that's why I wrote... Um, the word became flesh because that takes you back to John one, where he says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And in verse 14, he says, and the, um, the word became flesh, the logos became flesh. And so a lot of people have this mentality of like the Bible is, um, the word, but we know that the Bible itself, the physical Bible is not the word. We know that the Christ is, the word. So he says that basically Christ, the Christ is the truth. So it's like, what is the Christ? How do you define that? Yeah. Well, so in John, John eight, and, and he goes, he goes through um, a few things. So truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. Um, and then he goes on. So if the, if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And then he goes on and he says, um, you don't understand what I'm saying because you are of your father, the devil, and you do you you want to do the desires of your devil of, of the devil. Um, and then he goes on and and says, um, "Truth," which now I can't. Oh, um, now I can't find the word. Oh, yeah. Which one of you convicts me of sin? I speak the truth. Why do you not believe me? 
So that's so those things are part of the truth that Jesus is talking about. That you're a slave, you, you commit sin, you're a slave of sin. So what I'm saying is, right? John mentions it 22 times. The word truth. The thing is, is that it's never declarative. It's not like this is the truth. That's what I was looking for. And the only place that I found it was when he said, "Your word is truth," which is the logos, which is the Christ. So it's like anything that is of Christ is the truth. So what? And that that's the fundamental question. What? is that of Christ, right? What, what, what is it? What What is the characteristic of Christ that is truth? Yeah. I've heard people, I've heard people, well. Brandon's asking you a direct question, <laughs> Zach, and, more, <laughs> and you need to answer it. Uh, I think the, uh, I've heard the way of the truth in life um, is like, the, I am the reality. And I, I like to think that there's this, the idea of, uh, an ultimate truth that undergirds all of our reality is a thing, but we have no access to it like perfectly. Like uh, a, a quicker way to say it would be: there is an absolute truth, but none of us can know it absolutely. And that, in a weird way, is comforting to me. Like it's not that everything's relative and truth doesn't matter, or the pursuit of truth isn't a thing. It's just let's slow our roll on how we declare what the truth is in any any given cir- circumstance and that might allow us to maintain an open posture to be open to people with different perspectives that may have a closer dial-in on what truth is in any given circumstance. When it comes to theological things, though, we, we can have a, a really good idea about what the truth is. I mean, they're, they're laid out in Scripture. That's the word truth isn't divorced from the gospels. And like, I think like Andy, you point out, just like, I'm not sure what, yeah, I'm not there. What but definition you are like, what? Th- thanks for, thanks for uh, promoting what? dialogue, Zach. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> um, I just see no, because you're the one that's more dialed in to what the truth is, right? No, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying is I'm not He's dialed into his truth. <laughs> right. But, but, but yeah, just, I don't, I, I'm not sure what, sort of phraseology you'd be looking for on where truth would be defined in a verse that uses the word truth as opposed to the things that jesus said and did these are these are the things that are the truth that that john is talking about Uh, and 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 some that's the question i would have to you guys is like what is if 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 christ if the logos is truth and it kind of goes back to the question I asked rhetorically before, maybe. <laughs> what is it? What is the characteristic of Christ, of the Christ that becomes ultimate reality? And and there's a part, I mean, I'll just say definitively, like we see it manifested in the body of Jesus as a human being, but the value, the transcendent value of the Christ is beyond religion. It is beyond politics. It is beyond ideology. It is beyond country, nation state, beyond kings and queens and magistrates. It's beyond all things. And it's like, whenever we get to that place where we understand that people will fall to their knees together. Right. It's about, because it's about politics and the way of the world is about winning uh, and winning through force if necessary. And it's like, turn that upside down. The, the, the For me, the way Jesus won the way the Christ won was through like 
I am going to give everything up, even though I could destroy you. Right. But he still, he doesn't, he doesn't give, so everything, he doesn't give everything up. When he was on the earth, he, he rebuked the Pharisees. He corrected false doctrine. He, he tried to set things in order. Yeah, that will th- happen. Theolo- theologically. So, so yeah, he, he gives up his life and he, but he does it for a specific purpose and that's to reconcile humanity to God through his blood. It, so when he's like thinking about what, what, what this truth is, yeah, it, dis, dis, it uh, transcends politics, transcends religion. It depends on what religion, like you're talking about uh, uh, the, the different religions that, that are out there. Okay. Okay, fine. But it doesn't just, dis- it doesn't transcend the religion that God is trying to bring about upon, that he's trying to for humans to religion? well so we have to define what the word religion means i'm thinking specifically if talking about, about religious practice and if my kingdom was of this God. world what i'm thinking of if my kingdom was of this world basically i would the angels would come down and bring the shit show and uh, the real steve austin and angel form would uh Whatever, whatever his catchphrase but, but is. Have I to picture act. my Jesus Human, as humans, a Steve Austin jumping off the top <laughs> rope. Yes, but humans have to act in this world, and so if if if, if you're, the way you're describing it sounds like, well, the kingdom's not of this world, but but it is because you're. I think what you and Brandon are saying is, we're trying to bring this this kingdom into the world by changing people's hearts and minds, and so that they would do something, and whatever whatever that something is, it's still. That that is religion. Is our relationship and how we interact with God is that is religion. And it's it, humans. And then, it's humans' way of, right. of in, trying to engage with God. I think. Right. I yeah. don't disagree with that. I would just say it's it. It doesn't always look great. It doesn't. It, and sometimes o- it does. Often it involves losing and and deciding to lose, like Christ did on the cross. He but could it, have won yeah. through force, but he didn't. But what does that what does that mean? I'm assuming for this purposes he's well, a but I, he I him. Guess, I guess that that's that, that's a good to bring it back into maybe the how we started. Does so should Christians be involved in politics? And if we should if 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 the true religion is that we should lose or uh, um, give things up, sacrifice it's, ourselves. It's genes too. If if we should sacrifice everything, does that mean that Christians? aren't involved in politics and they let the world just decide how, what rules we're going to uh, live under, uh, d- divorce ourselves from politics, let it happen. Or is it reasonable to think that because a democracy wasn't like people didn't have these chances back in the first century, would it be reasonable to think that, well, since we have this ability to have input into government and politics, and that could be used for the good to help people. How would Jesus act now? For, well, well in not, this not, context, not necessarily in our context. Not necessarily. How would Jesus act now? But Brandon, what say you? But if we ha- if we have the opportunity to <laughs> no, this is good to, inter- to to do something about how the government is going to interact with people and what rights the government has and. Would you, not, that be would you not want a Christian to help influence that conversation as opposed to a bunch of atheists? Yeah. Okay, so the whole point I would think of, I mean, is government is not uh, necessarily inherently uh, a bad thing. Like it gives structure, it gives um, 
you know, uh, a, a baseline of law for people. Um, but but if we start understand, if we actually believe that that's the end point of what God wants for us, which is strictly structure and law, then it, it's a nice step. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. No, I'm I'm not talking about that. I know that there are people that do. I do um, think about it that way. There's a Seven Mountains Man, Nate, and New Apostolic Reformation, and all that stuff. I, I, my, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about we're living on this earth. We have the opportunity to do something about uh, about government. What do we do? Not about the final kingdom or anything. I don't even think yeah. that we're humans are going to usher in the final kingdom. Um, uh, that's going to be. I think it's going to be something supernatural. But that's beside the point. Yeah. What do we do as Christians when we have the ability? To do something about government, I actually think you could, you could, you could even remove the last line in there about government. I, I think that question applies to lots of different areas right. of life. Right. Right. Let let everything that you do be rooted in great love. And and the thing that I see within the scriptures is that the nature and character of those who follow Christ look like peacemakers. They're ones who work for restorative justice, not retributive justice. They're people who um, stand beside those who mourn, who lift up the broken heart and the downtrodden. Um, My point to you on this is that I think that if we, with what we know, trying to discern some sort of truth in this world of chaos and cacophony, how to figure out how to act appropriately, uh, if we're rooted in great love, if we're moving on behalf of uh, the restorative justice of God to somehow bring God's glory and fullness into this earth, um, yeah, let people vote. Let people vote their conscience as long as it's rooted in love. It may look like a Republican. It may look like a Democrat. But you know what? That's the point is do it. Uh, vote your conviction as long as you're working towards the interest of love. But don't do it uh, to the detriment of another person. Don't do it while demeaning other people. Don't do it while giving up on people and saying that they will never get it. Don't do it. Um, I mean, I think that that's the point is that can we exercise politically for the betterment of our society? Absolutely. I mean, 100%. But that goes back to the point I was making is that I think at a bare minimum, we should be the great citizens. Um, we, we, We should be the citizens working toward not only the structural integrity of what we have, but taking a step beyond that and helping it flourish in ways that people could not even imagine. And then I think that that's where we've lost complete like visionary. We, we've lost all visionaries. We, we have people who no longer see anything beyond just the uh, bricks and mortar structural integrity of the thing. But then within it, we're just going to fight on both sides. Right. And we should be doing both. We should be building the kingdom of God and doing what we can, what's right in front of us. I think Zach would, you say that a lot, which is good. I agree with for once uh, that, yeah, that, <laughs> Thanks, w- that are the influence we have around us. We, we should Wait, be, was that our passive aggressive moment of the pod, oh, but yeah. continue. <laughs> There'll be more uh, that we should, we should influence what's around us to, to, to uh, bring the kingdom of God here on earth. I, I, I agree with, but here's, with here's that. the problem. I was sitting around the kitchen table the other day and I've actually paid more attention to politics over the last 12 months than I have in a long time. I thought I am really going to dig in and just try to understand because don't brag. 
<laughs> Welcome to the club. Uh, Welcome to the club, man. Also, we're, we're going to wait for you to give your endorsement of the voice candidate, but go ahead. Of Kanye West. We're excited to hear about your pro-Kanye uh, platform. <laughs> um, I started listening to everybody, every side, every talk show, every news channel. I was watching the debate on this channel and then the CNN and then the Fox News. And was that hard? Yeah. Huh? Was that hard? Was that difficult? Well, I just wanted to see what everybody was saying. I listened to Glenn Beck. I listened to Rush Limbaugh. I listened to MSNBC. I listened to, uh, yeah, you name it. I, I mean, I have a litany um, of people. I was, I even uh, Joe Rogan. I listened in for the first time. I was <laughs> just trying to listen to whoever. Uh, but and, was it uh, difficult to hear conflicting ideas with where you were, with where you stand on things? And on, I, oh, it, it just, I mean, there, there's a lot of it, all, I mean, a lot of it on both sides that just drive me crazy because I'm like, man, now I see how, uh, uh, how much of an echo chamber it is and how much it reinforces right. versus that totally. and how much it solidifies people in their position and how they're and how it creates so little dialogue and how it, uh, you know, just segments people and, and whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it was very difficult. Um, but I was sitting at the table last week and I told my wife, I said, there's just so much, there's just so much information. There's just so much that's thrown at us and so many perspectives. It's like, you know, it's both sides make really good cases on things that I think that I can believe that don't sound completely political. And you know, in some sense, I can understand, I actually, I feel like that I understand why people are voting the way that they vote for either candidate. Um, I mean, there are, yeah, but anyway, so I, I, but I'm like, I'm having a hard time, like digging through a lot of the, the shit on both sides, trying to figure out what is the truth? That's why I ended up on the whole Pontius Pilate thing. Cause I'm just like, I'm like, if, if I'm a guy that is legitimately trying my hardest to discern through this, to like really figure out what's the truth in this matter, like what chance do we have for people who are casual? What chance do we have for people who just get the 30 minutes, you know, or, or, or just social media totally what chance yeah, that's I mean, that's the point, right? That I, but really quick, I just told her, I said, think about how bad it is. And you guys have probably watched The Social Dilemma, how they take our likes, our interests, our status updates, who we're interacting with, and they just continue to reinforce it on Facebook. Like, it's no wonder we are so hardened. But it, it helps me understand, like, why we are the way that we are. Yeah, and and. Facebook is not unique in that. I mean, the the algorithms that exist in most of the the big areas of our lives that are designed to show us more of what we want and less and less of what we don't want. Uh, that that is pervasive. And, and well, they I still think, they still keep recommending CNN videos. I don't know why. Because <laughs> they they know you deep down <laughs> that you enjoy raging against it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I think. Um, uh, the point that I was trying to get to was, you, you're right. We, like the normal person, works forty to fifty whatever hours a week. Their lives are full, and and we can't dedicate ourselves to endless research. 
on these topics. Therefore, we rely on sources for our information. And we, and we at some point, have to make that leap where we believe that this source is, is truth or these sources are truth. And we rely on it. And, and like, I, I can't endlessly go down the rabbit hole of researching these things. So, Brandon, I'm glad that you've done that for all of us. And I, we expect <laughs> all the files to be uploaded to our Dropbox so that we can uh, get the summaries in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I remember, and I, I think I mentioned this a while back, but I remember um, a version of myself where event happens in the world. This is 20, 30 years ago. Event happens in the world, and I avoid it in conversations because I hadn't listened to Rush Limbaugh yet. And I wanted to listen to Rush Limbaugh before I could give an informed response to said issue. And I'm, I'm having a visceral embarrassed response right now, <laughs> like saying that aloud. But at the time I didn't, I didn't realize that was happening. And now it's like, Oh my God, I was a slave to the, that echo chamber. And do you think that there's a version of that today for you? Um, yes, it's always a possibility. And I'm constantly trying to do a version of what Brandon said of, just listen to a lot of people and and question everything, uh, which is easy to say. It's tougher to do. Um, but thankfully, I do have close friends, and some of them are even in this room. That, that uh, means one of us is not, or maybe two <laughs> yeah. of us is not that person. <laughs> I do have close friends that are that feel very passionately on multiple side uh, on are there multiple sides on both sides where that, that are fervent people that wish to do kingdom work, whatever that means to them and are following Jesus in the best way possible. And that I, I listen to and I'm in close relationship with. And I, I think that's a thing that is more necessary or is, is uh, more necessary. I think that is necessary. If you're a Christian, I, I got nothing to say to people that don't, say they follow Christ or would not claim the banner Christian, you know, I understand why you would get worked up and, uh, want to do the dirty work of fighting. And, uh, that doesn't sound great, but using, is, is using political that, power to, to achieve your ends. Is your point that that's a replacement for religion for some? Yeah. I mean, that's, I, definitely. That's, that's part of it for sure. But for me, it's like the, all I right now, I'm clinging to, I want to follow the way of agape love. And that's what I believe Jesus did on the cross. And so I, if you're a Christian, it's like, what does that actually look like? And that can be very uncomfortable and often include losing politically, losing spiritually, losing physically. Uh, not always, but it can be difficult. It's, so that, it's that, difficult. It's the narrow back. path. So that goes back. I think Brandon answered it, but Zach, does that mean that for you, should Christians push forward their agenda? Oh, I thought you were going to say play softball. Should they play softball? Because it involves they, winning or losing. Yeah, it involves winning or losing. But you know, I'm all about that. Should should Christians push forth their agenda? They know that people are going to disagree with them. Um, and even, even, I guess, putting aside the, the rhetoric and the, um, the vitriol that might come up, come up 
See, here's the problem, though, and I'll, I'm sorry, Zach, I'll let you speak here in a second, but I, I just, right right before I got- I will allow you to speak for me. <laughs> I know you enough to know that I'm going to agree with whatever comes out of your mouth. <laughs> well, right before I got on here, I just saw an article entitled, uh, Seeking Power in Jesus's Name, Trump Sparks a Rise in Patriot Churches, right? And this is from the Washington Post. And so, I, I mean, immediately clicked on it. And- you know, the, the problem is whenever you say, should Christians push into politics? Should Christians push into their agenda in politics? The, the problem is, is that people imagine what they've created in the name of God to be their, for, to be Christianity. But what we have instead is their version of Christianity. It's like, it's creating God in our own image. It's a cut and paste, um, built on this nationalistic idea of what a a Christian America would look like. And so therefore you, and I'll just read it from the article. It says, uh, standing in a circle, the dozen or so men and women, young and old, lay their hands on their pastor, Ken Peters, as he raises their request to God. He prays that, quote, communism and socialism and transgenderism and homosexuality and abortion will not have their way in this land. Uh, he prays that the nation's, quote, Christian roots will remain, that the church of Jesus Christ will be a restraining power. God, this nation is a miracle for you. You rescued us and you gave us our independence for a purpose. After another amen, the service begins with everyone's hands raised. Here I am to worship. And then flipping to the end of it, um, he says, he declares that the uh, Christian faith in America is under attack. And it's like, Oh, and then the last one he says is there's only one organization that has a shot at saving America, and that's the Church of Jesus Christ. So to answer your question, the answer is this is the problem that we get into when you say, should a Christian impose what they believe on America? This is a, in my opinion, this is a distorted, perverted uh, version of Christianity that should not be. What's what's distorted about it? Um. Well, he listed like six things that. So pick one. Each, Which one? Well, let's just go big picture. He listed like six things that the assumption is, and what he's saying is, my interpretation of these six things is the way the church should act. And so if no one's one going to get it right, each one of those is de- is deserving of a nuanced conversation about like how what helps people to thrive the most in the midst of that. So if no one gets Christianity right. I guess would be your lens then, since no one gets it right. Well, well that's not should, what any of us should. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Don't should on me. Should any Christian, because they're not going to get it right, or maybe half of that list is right and half of it's wrong, so then therefore they shouldn't push, they shouldn't go forth and try to try to legis- uh, uh, push for these I got things you. In, in politics. What does Micah six eight say? Um, and I'm I'm not using that as like rhetoric. I mean, I honestly can't remember the exact quotation, but it's your, uh, pe- your people. He's shown the oh man, what is good? And what? You're singing the song in your head as you say. I am. I'm totally singing the song in my head. Shown the oh If we only had a, a device, what is good <laughs> and what the Lord is requires of thee. Yeah, to but to do, do justly. Just, 
Love mercy. Walk, walk humbly, humbly with your God. Yes. Yeah, so whatever, okay. if you're going to vote. I did sing the song of my head. Um, <laughs> that's how I have to do it. I still have to sing the alphabet. It worked. Summer, alphabet. Camp, summer camp worked, kids. <laughs> Parents, take You know, note. if I need to know what, what letter the alphabet is where, I have to sing the song up to that what point to get six, there. Was it Yeah, Micah Yeah, six, so eight. The, the idea being, I think that's a good template to what, however you're going to vote, however you are going to act in this world and be socially or politically engaged that's a good template to do like okay let me how am i going to walk humbly you want to read it bible's in the title plural according to Love brandon mercy. <laughs> micah 6 8 he has told you O man what is good and what does the lord require of you but to do justice to love kindness and to walk humbly with your god question mark <laughs> <laughs> that's what it has a question mark. I, I think that's beautiful, and I also am reminded of the verse where it says um, the, that God's kindness leads to repentance, and it's not force, it's not legislation, it's not uh, a top-down approach. It's people from the bottom uh, who serve, who love, who are merciful, who listen, who sit around the table and, and instead of, you know, condemning the woman who's having an abortion or condemning the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, even though they may disagree, who, um, you know, isn't belligerent about uh, people who wear masks or say that they're not going to wear masks. It, it's people who take on a, an entirely different disposition. And I, and I think that that's really, truly what it is for me. I mean, it's summed up in the line where he says, there's only one organization that can that has a shot, and that's the Church of Jesus Christ. And, and I, I, it, it's Jesus Christ, yeah. It, but let, let's be really clear. The way that he imagines it, mm-hmm. if we just legislate it the right way, yeah. that will, then, then we will have God's favor once again. Right, And you know what? God's favor has never been dependent upon us legislating the right things. Yeah. We can, we, we can legislate, we can actually legislate all the wrong things and God's kingdom will extend through his people, through their lives. But, but see that that's the problem is what they imagine is that they're going to cut and paste this configuration upon it. And then we will have God's favor. And there's a version of that that is abdicating your responsibility and ask and foisting that upon the government to do it on your behalf. And the other part of that is, you know, that you're trying to convince someone by force to believe in, in your ideals. Well, there might be, there might be a conflation of, of the, the two things. I, I don't, that's why I said there's a version. There's also a version that's pure and true and, and is just and is wonderful. That's my version. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, exactly. so, so it can come out in the positive or in the negative. Well, no, I, th- I think that a conflation of um, the, the idea that, that any, that Christians trying to push for certain legislation or to stop certain legislation, that they're necessarily trying to make that into like the kingdom of God. And I, and I think, I think for a lot of Christians, it's not, that's not the case. It's just the, the society that we're trying to build, we'd, we'd rather have these things, well, let's say they, I'm trying to disassociate myself so you don't get mad at me and we can have a, have a conversation about it. I don't remember the last time I've been mad at you, Scott. Oh, honestly. thank you. Um, 
It's always when I'm on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but but if we um, if they want to uh, 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 push this legislation to to form the society that they're going to live in, not necessarily to bring about repentance. Um, I, um, in, in that sense of, of bringing people to God, but trying to form a society where let's just, I just pick something. Uh, we don't want, uh, maybe you don't want uh, whorehouses in your, in your neighborhood. Well, that might be something that you'd, you'd have to go to the legislature about. So it, it's not necessarily about the religious aspect of not sinning in these particular ways that you're going to pass legislation on, on banning, but just, trying to frame up the society that you want to live in. Yeah, which usually comes down to preventing people from doing the things you think are bad and Well, then so then that would be that would be well, the discussion point then. Right. Should Christians be involved in trying to prevent thing people from doing things that never imagined. They don't think they should do. <laughs> I just cannot imagine Jesus spending so much energy trying to reform a system from the top down. I agree. I just cannot even imagine it. Like I, th- I think that Jesus would be here with us today, and I think that Jesus would quietly go vote, possibly, maybe not. Um, I, I do know that that he would probably be like uh, one of you said earlier, calling out the religious of today because they've become too cozy with politics or politicians or power or wealth or status or any of the other things. We're a mirror image of when he walked the earth today. I mean, then as we are today. Um, but yeah, man, I, 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 I think, you know, cause people are always like, well, you know, wouldn't Jesus, if he saw the injustices that we're suffering today, wouldn't he have raised hell and wouldn't he have tipped tables? And well, you know, he always tipped tables against the religious. I mean, it, it wasn't like smashing company windows and, and, you know, whatever. He was always railing against the religious. He would crack a whip. He would drive the animals. He would tip over the money changers for exploiting people that were keeping people from the love of God. And I think he was trying to demonstrate to all of them what it looked like to actually be amongst the people and, and extend the love of God to all of the people that this group that I mentioned in the article seems like that they're against. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, we're going to pray against you if you are transgender. We're going to pray against, you know, homosexuality. We're going to pray against abortion. And it's like, hey, man, if, if you feel like that, that if, if the love of God is not in those things, fine. And I'm not even telling, you know, I, I stand on the side of life. So I, all life against war, against capital punishment, against um, abortion. But I, I will tell you, that the issue fundamentally is that I am going to not condemn anybody. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear their story. I want to hear what their situation is. I want to hear what they came out of. I want to hear what struggle they had. I want to hear what their home life was like yes. to see how I can help yes. them, whatever. But after, I think that that's after you get them to have the baby in, in a prayer like this, you're immediately <laughs> casting the we versus they. Right. Uh, I actually have. Oh, sorry, Jeff. Yeah, I have. Haven't you haven't spoken. <laughs> Welcome oh, back, Jeff. But the listener, Jeff's uh, still uh, here. Believe yeah. it or not, he's actually in the room. Jeff? No. So, Brandon, I mean, what you're saying speaks to to my thinking and and 
I agree with how Jesus went about things. And there's even going back to the argument of like the United States was born on Judeo Christian principles and, you know, they coming over from England and, and setting up shop. And then there was just dis, immediate disagreements and like, okay, you're going to go form another, uh, you know, what ended up being a state. And then, Oh, we don't believe in, you know, this. So you're, and it just splintered. It kept splintering because nobody could agree. And, and ultimately, when we come back to the life of Jesus, um, in terms of, you know, like, as Christians, should we be in politics? Well, the greatest thing that Jesus does with people is he sits down with them. He listens. He asks questions. He is, he is, if we, if we said, okay, we're following Jesus as Christians, then we're pushing into politics and the world and all topics just by being there, just by asking, because somebody, because it's really power that people are searching for in politics. I know they want to do good and right, but unfortunately, you know, a part of power and swinging deals and getting a little bit of what you really believe in through and giving up, uh, I'm going to have to sacrifice this, but I need this, um, you know, because this is kind of where my, I really stood at the beginning of going into politics and it and that just tears you apart but there's these insecurities that are built into humans and so through those insecurities we search for you know power and to fill some void and ultimately christians or jesus steps in and ask questions of people maybe power hungry people and mm-hmm. and gets them to maybe think twice and maybe they go through with it but they look back at, at Jesus or they look back at the Christian who, who sat with them and listened and asked questions of them. Even though they go forward, they, you may have planted a seed that, that shifts that person down the road. And, and consequently, it, there's some exponential um, power uh, I don't know if it was your article or some other article where it said a hundred million Chinese had are Christians now. Those things are happening in the world because people are sitting with other people and 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 the proximity. That is such a huge thing of where Jesus was and where often Christian. in spite of political power. And it changes the world. We may think like this is the biggest election in our lives, but quite honestly, it pales in comparison, just sitting down with somebody and having a conversation and people don't, they, they don't see it. And, and, and it's not our thing to like, you need to see it. You need to follow Christ. You need to be a Christian. You need to accept Christ. And it's, it's like, no, that is not where Jesus was never like punching people in the face with, you know, this has got to happen. It, it wasn't, it was such a real tangible Well, there are many things thing. that, he, that he said and did that weren't written down, so. Now, Scott, it's complete. 33 years were all complete within four books. But saying he might have punched somebody. We but, just wasn't yeah, written down. But, but really, there's such. You might have such, had sex, right, Scott? There's no, such goodness. Not. And and I, Brandon, I know you, I know you believe this. We're in the same place when it comes to this. And I think all of us are, is just where do Christians lie in politics? Christians are just be there, be in it. You don't have to like, 
push some agenda because ultimately you are actually the agenda, Christ's agenda in this world if you're living uh, a godly life. Okay, Jeff, I don't know why the hell you waited so long to open your mouth. That <laughs> you was, guys were all talking that about was great. All this, this but and I, that. I feel like if I didn't say anything, you would would have kept preaching, which is awesome. But do you have a few more minutes, Brandon? So How you doing? So condescending, okay. Zach. It wasn't. See, he Jeff was right. The uh, passive aggression was just getting started. Um, I do have a clip um, that I think ties in because I there's a lot of Christians that I know very personally, and I think probably the majority of Christians in America, the reason they are convicted of voting Republican, and that's what that's the Christ-like thing to do, America. is abortion. And you mis- mentioned it a couple times. It was in that article in the Washington Post you mentioned. And these are a couple clips. Uh, You guys probably all know the name. Phil Vischer, Bob the Tomato. He's been doing these videos that are pretty pretty thoughtful. Um, But these are related to like short clips on abortion and why voting for Republicans doesn't have the result you think it might. So I'll just play this real quick and then... We can react not to solve abortion, but just to show that like doing political power to achieve ends you think are biblical often doesn't bear the fruit we think it does. Yep. Abortions have fallen under every president, both Republican and Democrat, for four decades. And today, the abortion rate is actually lower than before Roe became law. In other words, electing a Democrat does not increase abortions. Let's complicate things even more. The abortion rate in America actually fell the most under Barack Obama. On the flip side, in 2019, while Donald Trump was president and the Republicans controlled the Senate, Planned Parenthood, the country's largest abortion provider, broke its record for taxpayer funding. Now, to be clear, I don't think Obama was responsible for reducing abortions during his term, and I don't think Trump was the reason Planned Parenthood broke its public funding record. Like so much about this issue, things are more complicated than that. But this much is clear. The person sitting in the Oval Office is not what matters most when it comes to reducing abortions. My my thought with that is, uh, it doesn't mean, okay, Christians do the right thing and Trump's an asshole, so you need to vote for Biden because, you know, you don't have to worry about the abortion issue. But it's it adds a little wrinkle to it, and maybe it's like, okay, my conscience hates the fact that I, I'm going to vote for... I have family that really don't like Trump, but it is because they think that less babies will be killed if they vote for Trump. That's why they will do it in spite of their distaste for his uh, character and it may i don't know it this whole conversation is kind of like verging on what there's a lot of christians listening what do we do the amazonian me the amazonian me cannot help myself but go look at the data when that was mentioned so he's not completely honest and when he's trying to do oh, and for the record that's not it was a Vish, uh, Phil Vischer video that was Sky yeah. Jatani, his uh, co-host. Okay. All right. Sorry, Brandon. I work for Amazon. It doesn't mean anything other than <laughs> I'm forced to look at numbers. Nerd. Uh, but I will say this. So Roe v. Wade was in 1973. And in 1973, the abortion rate was 16.3 million 
abortions per year. It peaked in roughly 1981 or 82. It's hard to tell by the graph. Thanks, 82. Reagan. Uh, at <laughs> at 29.3. 81 is pre-Reagan? Was well, that, he, he was elected Carter? in 80. 80. Okay, yeah. that's Reagan. So uh, it, it's on its way up. Jimmy Carter's helping it. And then Reagan... <laughs> And then at Reagan, then at 29.3 million in, in 1981, it starts to decline. So uh, he does make a, he does make this direct association or correlation with uh, the passage of Roe versus Wade. The passage of Roe versus 73. Wade. 73. So what I will say is we are technically in 1973, uh, 16.3 million. As of 2015, oh, yeah. there was. Fourteen point six million. So overall, abortions less. Per year. It has gone down over 40, 50 years. And I think maybe the percentage of the population, I'm guessing that that probably yeah down even more. Yes. And I think if you watch the, the whole video, I encourage people to look it up, Andy. That's a good clarification. And I think the the overall point is that the reason abortions are falling is not because of the law. It's not because of enforced morality. Um, there are many different factors at play and Christians can play a, a big role on influencing those that don't involve legislating morality. Well, and one of the things I think we'd have to look at is the usage or invention of morning after pills and other forms of non-surgical abortion, um, also contraception and, and how many people are using that. Education, so, so, access to health care. So, so maybe less people are getting pregnant, but the rate of people being born outside of wedlock have increased. Um, and maybe overall abortions have, may, maybe the number is less overall year over year. Um, I think it was in 2016 or... A, 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 a year last decade, decade. Um, I think in New York, there decade. Were, yeah, in New York, there were more black babies aborted than born, and so there might be some communities where whether whether right. the well, overall no, yeah, 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 whether the numbers skews, over going down overall or not, some communities that is right. it's really bad. You're not you're not wrong, and that's why I preface this with I don't want to solve this debate or provide an overall template for. No, Zach, solve abortion now. <laughs> solve but, it. But I, don't you think though that I mean I think that what we're saying though is that we would like to move beyond the extreme binaries of the situation, and wouldn't you long for uh, people who can sit at a table and come together to say, you know. If if legislating this is not the best thing, and if the numbers have been reduced, then why? I mean, I just start asking questions. Why has it gone down over time? Right. What other contributing factors have led to that number going down? And as a Christian, you say, well, what role would a Christian play? Christians could come in and talk from a real life level about the impact that it's had on people within their church or how they can play a role in aftercare for people who've had abortions or how, and there are Christians who do that, but I'm saying, wouldn't it be nice if the voice of Christians would be a much different voice than saying, no, we just want to ban and legislate. Like, wouldn't it be best if we could actually bring something to the table that looked like empathy, that looked like care, that looked like centering, you know, if we really care about life, shouldn't we care about the the life of the woman? Are you saying that that's about the, are you saying that's not happening? 
Say it again. Are you saying that's not happening today? Uh, no, Here, here's what I'm saying is all we see on the news and in the media is the litany of the extremes. And Which is interesting. The, the, the represent, representation that we see. And, and, but here's the problem with that is that one may say, yes, but does Trump not get 90%, 80% of evangelical votes? And is that more than just a small extreme on one end? Which I would have to think about that because I don't know the answer. But that is a loud segment that's voting. I saw, I think it was Claiborne that posted today an image of issues that matter to different uh, segments of Christianity, evangelicalism, Protestantism, and he went through like nine different categories. Evangelical um, Christians was the only one that had abortion listed as their top political issue. Every other one was like, you know, economy or jobs or, you know, (laughs) But I say amen to that. Wow. It's hyper obsessed yeah. with abortion. So you have to say, is that one extreme more than just a loud, tiny minutia on one end extremist position? So, yeah, to answer your question, that's what we see, because I guess that that is the majority of evangelicals. And that's a large segment. That's a, one of the largest voting groups for Republicans. And I guess my my hope I don't know how you get to this place, but I, I wish we could have dialogue where we dial people back and talk about, and I think that actually Claiborne is doing this right now. <laughs> so it's odd that we got on this thing, but I think that he's bringing together and getting ready to write a book on abortion. And I think a lot of this stuff's going to be mentioned. So yeah, speak on it. Well, come on your show even, and talk about it. Yeah. Evangelicals have not uh, cornered the market on single issue voting. For sure. I mean, it is it is rampant, yeah. and, and there's lots of people that that fall into that. And and I know that we've talked about this a lot on the podcast before, which is, and I've I've mentioned it. Like, there's very hardly anyone that I agree with completely. <laughs> Thanks. Sure. And so and so, uh, and and I'm complete. I'm fine with saying I accept X and I don't accept Y from this person, and and that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really in line with them on X and really against them on Y and, and I can hold those two things in tension. Um, but, but I, I, I yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll, so stop you have, there. you have a uh, complicated feelings about that Coldplay album then <laughs> <laughs> well, titled X and Y. In what's case funny you're about the, uh, abort evangelicals and abortion being like the number one, the priority is it be funny if number two was strength and military, kill anybody who wants to, you know, <laughs> yeah. go after well, our safety well, and freedom here I, in the United States? I will States. ask this question though. Like, so what? What if what if that is the number one reason that they're voting? Is that is that bad? Is that wrong? Because we're kind of implying that it is. What if it's built on a fallacy of how to effectively bring out bring down the numbers. I mean, that that really becomes the issue is whenever you're presented with data, and we don't know all the data, but and I can't even believe we're sitting here talking about abortion as, as <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Well I really I did say I don't want to solve this issue. The thing that I would say to wrap this part up is just that Thank you. I, I wish that we could all look at the data, including all evangelicals that really care about the life of babies. And I wish they cared more about not killing their enemies and capital punishment, all that stuff. 
also right. like other real life people. Um, a, a complete holistic pro-life approach. Data say, <laughs> no, we, we care about babies. So let's do what it takes to peacefully work toward preserving life. And it looks like, you know, X, Y, or Z strategy or approach, then we're all for it. And we'd have to think, do we, do we, do we really think that a, if abortions were illegal in all 50 states, that abortions would go up? Like, is that, like, from what Sky said, do we really think that would be the case? It's more complicated than that. Oh, yeah. Right, exactly. But I think if you made me wager my bank account, I would say it's probably going to be Brandon, going the, down. This, right. uh, Brandon, this, I found it real oh, quick. Go ahead. Pointing right at you as you're pointing right at me. <laughs> number, number, oh, uh, number one, abortion. Number two, fairness in the presidential election. And then number three, da, 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 terrorism. Yeah. Terrorists. Well, they had terrorism listed too. You know, ultimately, uh, this is in generalities. The that and that's the biggest problem because there's no proximity in generalities. Right. So we when when it comes right down to it, um, uh, you, it's the perfect example or the, a very good example is the border patrol and the gentleman who was was he illegal. Uh, the woman who oh, oh, she was okay and so there is a, a a really good example of when people are in relationship all the rules and all of the you must do and i believe in this go out the window when you sit down and break bread with people and it it humanizes us it makes us the the christians that we were meant to be there's just a goodness there so I would leave it at that. It's yeah, it's so good. It, like that's a good reminder that Jesus today, if you're using scripture as a reference, and I know I do, I don't know about Scott, all but the, I like I do to all do that. Time. I like to look at scripture and think about how that might inform my life. Unlike Scott, <laughs> but um, <laughs> the, the why, just for for you, scripture is only like a few lines in the whole book, so. Yeah, just that one sentence, Father, forgive them. Yeah, that one. Uh, but but uh, today, Jesus would have pissed off. He would have found a way to piss everyone off. Uh, dining with the, the Steve Bannon types, dining with pick a lefty. Um, th- there's, that is the evidence we have in Scripture, is that the proximity to people and proximity to people that were affected by power and also... Dining with people that had the power. I mean, it's just yeah, the Wall Street types of yeah, yeah. Matthew, the tax collector, and, and, and that's the proximity part. That that is that is Jesus engaging one on one directly, and and totally, and the lines artificially, the social lines drawn didn't matter to him. Yeah, and if that guy, if that pastor from the Washington Post article, if if he had a couple of friends that were trying to follow Jesus the best they can that we're also gay or lesbian or trans and they're out there, you get to know their stories. It changes how you hold your views. You might not change your view about what is quote unquote correct, but you'll change the way you hold it when you uh, have that proximity. Yeah. And even at that, again, it comes down to um, that proximity affords you um, the opportunity to be kind. And I think that that, again, like you just said, 
you may disagree and not believe that that's the correct way or the right belief according to the Bible. Um, but I'll tell you, quoting a, a verse to somebody so that they change um, <laughs> is not going to work. No. It's you investing and, and showing them love and compassion. It doesn't go well. Here, let me solve let me solve this for you real quick. Here's this here's this. You just take this take this scripture. That's a different conversation of remember back in the day where you could say, Well, the Bible you could like go up to Tracks. somebody on the street, the Tracks. Bible says, and you would get like a oh, does it? Oh, okay. Like that those days are gone. Like it, yeah. So we do something or well, I don't know how long we've been doing it, how many episodes we've been doing it, the uh what are you consuming section yes. of the podcast. And so Brandon, the what are you what are you consuming section of the podcast is basically what are things that you've been uh reading, watching, doing lately that have been consuming your time and we kind of go around in a circle a little bit and, and and chat about and share some of those things. But if you'd be willing to join us in the what are you consuming segment, we'd love to uh, hear anything that you've been consuming in the last week or so. And who you're going to vote for. So. <laughs> <laughs> Have you voted? And I voted. Are, are you excited for President Kanye? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, am I going first on this? Yes. Yeah, sure. I thought we were going to do are we going to do predictions? Uh, after this, after this. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I went on the bourbon tour and in, did a tasting in Bourbon at, County, by the way. I'm sorry. In Bourbon County. Yeah. I mean, in Bardstown, Kentucky. So nice. nice. Bros, Bibles and bourbons. <laughs> so yeah, we, we did a tasting at preservation and I think their least expensive bourbon is like 160 bucks. Whoa. <laughs> For like a taste. Wow. Five of them with the, the most expensive being a, a few hundred bucks. So that was fantastic. It's called. Um, For the bottle, right? Yeah. A few hundred bucks for like a regular bottle. Bottle of it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't buy any. So don't worry. <laughs> I, I wish that I could, but that's not in my budget. Uh, but it was fantastic. It was just amazing. So that I consumed some of that. Uh, I finished the office all the way through again for like, like the million. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I'll let you guys go a little bit and I'll get back to you. All right. That's fine. Anybody? Go ahead. Tee it up. You're ready. Who's ready? Go. I, oh, I, I've been watching the. Uh, it's a short series on Netflix called the the Queen's Gambit, and it's oh, yeah. it's a, a young female who is just a custodian at an orphanage. Teaches her how to play chess, and she is phenomenal at it. She's a genius, and so I, I've uh, I've been consuming that. And it's fascinating. I love competition and I love, I was a girls uh, club. I ran a club soccer program and it was all girls. And I just, I kind of, there's something in me that just loves seeing the, the not expected to do well, excel beyond what people thought. It's the underdog Underdog, thing. And, and, and seeing this um, female, young female, just just crushing her opponents, but doing it in such a humble way. I'm like, mm, I like this. This this actually makes me feel really, really good. In a humble way. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's how Jesus would have done it. 
<laughs> May I bless you with this three-pointer in your face? <laughs> I started watching Ship Creek the other day. I've never seen it. So oh, yeah. Is it, any, is it any good? I've never ventured in there. Uh, I, I wasn't impressed with the first few episodes, but I've... I I just made up my mind. I'm powering through. That's the way you got to do that show. Nice. I like it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you do. I I've I watched that show, and recently they won a bunch of Emmys. It, the show is done now, but you got to give it a few and let the characters develop. And then it's it's kind of a quirky. And understand, they're also improving a lot of the time, which can be uncomfortable. But that's one of the things that makes it fun. Yeah. I well because it's it's October that means you're supposed to watch scary things. So I've watched it part two, and I don't like scary movies at all. But I do love it. Uh, the Stephen King novel. It is one of my favorite books of all time. It is mm. incredible. It's like twelve hundred pages long. It's huge, but it's it is a masterpiece. It's in, it's great writing. Really. Yeah, it How is. How much coke do you think he was on when he wrote <laughs> that? Stephen King admits he's got diarrhea of the uh, diarrhea of the mouth. Yeah, it, it's great. I blew through that book, uh, but I have been watching. Really blew. I blew yes. through. Nice, the- Brandon. <laughs> oh, nice. Wah, 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 wah. Uh, you must be a father <laughs> with that dad joke. <laughs> uh, so- if there's cocaine related dad jokes, yes. <laughs> Dead in the eighties, uh, and then the other one has been the haunting of Bly Manor. So I think that there's multiple. It's a it's a series. It's like a season. The haunting of Bly Manor. I think there are the hauntings of blah blah blah, whatever. Uh, and I don't like. I said I don't tend to go down this road. It's not it's not terrifying, but it's it's a little creepy and it's suspenseful and it's set in the English countryside. And there's a, a a couple a couple of kids who this girl's comes in comes in to be their nanny, and it's in a large like English manor, mm. and the kids' parents have died, and there are some spiritual influences going on, and the kid has dolls that are in the <laughs> dollhouse. Like I know, it sounds like The Shining or something. Exactly, <laughs> there's dolls in the dollhouse, and they are representative of things and people. And Chucky. Yeah, so it's a little bit freaky, and 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 most of the things that happen are not shown or not said. But uh, yeah, so if you're looking for some uh, some Halloween inspiration, nope. <laughs> exactly. If you're looking for a, a lack of a restful <laughs> night of sleep, then exactly. Let me recommend curling up to this on your phone. <laughs> uh, what about you guys, Scott? Zach? Scott, bring it. Um, so I'm trying to finish the Bible in a year. I've uh, got a little bit to do left, uh, but I think I think I'll be able to. I think I'll be able to do it. Wait, wait, did you guys hear that? I think I hear our audience. They stop listening. Shocking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. Well, I've put it off. I've, I I started strong, then I then I I wasted most of the year. So now I'm like, oh. I only got three months left. I need to power through really it. kick it into gear. Um, yeah. I hope you saved numbers for the last because then you can just blow through that. <laughs> I, try, I'm, I think I'm going to save uh, John John for the last and then start the year off in John. It's kind of, so I think I've read Matthew and Luke and I need more, I still need Mark and John. So then I'll finish with the gospel, one of the gospels and then start with the gospel again um, but then I've also been 
consuming uh, some more doom. Doom surfing. Doom surfing. Doom surfing. Do you yeah. know? Do you know what that term is? Are you familiar with this? Ter- no idea. Well, can you kind of uh, let's see if you can guess what doom surfing means? He's like, I'm okay, curious, Scott's, Brandon. Scott's been watching it, so you know what it is. Come on, yeah, just give it a moment. No clue. Oh, uh, surfing on tsunamis. No, no, no. <laughs> doom surfing is when well, you. Well, it's st- like a metaphor, I guess. It's when you go down the rat hole of looking up terrible news. And so you'll uh, or or things that piss you off. Yeah, you'll just you'll yeah. yeah so the it's current sort of calamity, the current environment definitely lends itself to going down doom surfing. The end of the rat holes. It's why we had you system. on to fix this whole thing is because <laughs> so many people are doom surfing. Uh, yeah, but the 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 events that have happened in the past year, uh, and this might go into the predictions section that we're going to get into next briefly but uh the things that have happened this year the build-up to the election things that certain certain groups have said that they're planning on doing things that certain groups have already done and what their reaction to the election is going to be um that that uh that that elicits elicits action yeah i I, I think it warrants action Uh, so i've been doing that as well uh, uh, act, sounds, acting upon that evidence sounds fun. Yeah. Sounds, yeah. How many more cans of beans and bags of rice have you added to your current storehouse since when? <laughs> Let's just give it a week. <laughs> the apocalypse. Is I've, pro- I've probably percentages. I've probably added two weeks of storage in the last week. Wow! wow. I didn't see that coming. So, okay. so you know, Brandon and listeners, uh, Scott has. A storage of food that can last him how long? I th- I think I'm at eight months. Eight months. So if things Except are shut for water, down, I've I've kind of because water's heavy. But you have uh, firearms, so you can get water. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Don't trigger Brandon. Now he wants to talk about that. Let's <laughs> just. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, but I, I do have water filters that filter out ninety nine point nine 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 point nine nine of right. everything. And you can make it through the rest of the. Uh, so I need. I just one. need to find water. I right. Hopefully, well, but I'm trying to do this so I don't have to resort to marauding. Yeah, okay. killing Jeff's family. Symbolism. Killing Jeff's well, family for his water. <laughs> All right, for my part, uh, continuing very slowly through Raised by Wolves on HBO. Wolves, if you're Jeff. Wolves. Uh, or wolves. I say wolves. And then Jeff, next time you play golf, let me know. Uh, the the um, Raised by Wolves is sci-fi and you got two androids that are repopulating a world because earth is uninhabitable anymore and so with with children and they're basically we are atheists we are androids and there's this interplay between belief and Mm non-belief the humans in that show uh have belief it's like kind of like a culty religious thing and then the children that are raised absent any belief by the androids come up with some complex uh, ways of interpreting the world that is a fascinating uh, interplay between science and religion if you think of science as no God and religion, all God, no science. It kind of toys with that a little bit in a fascinating way. 
So we read and reread and watch things that affirm our own beliefs. So how's that going for you there, Zach? That's the one. Yeah, it's perfect because that's the one where I'm like, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. I get that. It, for the listener, I'm pointing everywhere. I get this idea. I get that one. Uh, also, it's frustrating because if you need something, to, if you need a winner in that debate, it's not the show for you. That's good. I guess I'm just terrified then. <laughs> I think there's a South Park episode about that. There was the National Association of Atheistic Scientists, and then there was the National Association of Scientific Atheists, and they were like battling against each other. That's, uh, that's good. Oh, that's yeah. so good. Okay, quick predictions. Election uh, is the elections right there. Predictions. Mm. I mean, you, I can go first or last. I mean, I go first. I'm, if it's actually quick, it's got to be quick. Uh, no explaining. Quick. Well, go. you can do five seconds of explaining. Trump's going to win, and the left is going to go crazy, and they're going to riot and loot. Be ready. Glad you got the food. Yep. Uh, Get Bran- food, Brandon. Before the election. Predictions. I think that I think this is an almost mirror image of 2016 and i think it's going to be the exact same thing oh my goodness so serious we're going to need lots of psychiatrists and people that are going to be depressed yeah i i hate both candidates just so you know (laughs) well that's very christ-like of you (laughs) (laughs) my assessment brian why don't you like super Old white guys running the country. What's your problem with that? Best we can do, guys. This is how we've always we, done it. We get the candidates we deserve. Andy, Zach. I will say it reminds me of a Dan Coke meme from uh, You Have Permission podcast, former guest. Uh, if 2020 were an election year, and it is, a picture of Trump and Biden. Because 2020 is the worst already. And so he's like, if 2020 was an election year, it's a picture of Trump and Biden. That's very meta. Yes, it is meta. And I I could see it going the way that you guys said already. And I could see it going the other way. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you're sitting on the fence. I thought there was no explanation here. You know what, Zach? Make a prediction. Do it. You're fired. The The reason for it is I have an incredible callus on my perineum where I ride the fence. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my my goodness. All right. Well, Well, as uh, long as that, as long as that callus doesn't pass the dentate, you're probably okay. uh, Are you going prediction, Andy? Yeah, I'll go prediction. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. I, I do think it smells a lot like 2016 and what I've read, the numbers, polling and things like that seem very, very similar. I would not be surprised if it turns out the same way. I do want to say that I feel like we owe it to the listeners to call out what we've had, what we've consumed tonight, because uh, beer is the third B in our podcast. And so I feel like we should just very, very quickly. And Brandon, I think I saw a, a cup in your hand. And it doesn't. Peppermint tea tonight. Well, we're God a little. dang it, Brandon. Lame, Brandon. Jeez, Brandon. Midnight in Indiana. You know how this works, Brandon. It's in the name. Goodness. <laughs> How is your tea, Brandon? It's not bros, Bibles, Brandon and his tea. (laughs) (laughs) Although it could be. But yeah, that's another podcast. We'll be starting that next week. Uh, Let's see. I had Smog City Amarilla Gorilla, which I shared with Zach, and a little Dale's Pale Ale. And then what else did we share? Zach? Moog Trippin' 
uh, Hazy Double IPA by Artifacts in San Clemente, California. It's incredible. And uh, Beechwood Amalgamator IPA. Always good. Top five. Top three. It's classic. Where's Beechwood? Beechwood is in uh, Long Long Beach, Seal Beach. Is it really? Long Long Beach, Seal Beach, Huntington Beach, yeah. Also, Pizza Port Brewing Company uh, in in Escondido, San Diego. Carlsbad. I Carlsbad. Think. Carlsbad and San Clemente. We also had today's forecast, India Pale Ale. That's great. And Scott? So I went with Old Faithful. Crystal Pepsi. That's not Old Faithful, <laughs> but go ahead. Who uh, remembers Crystal Pepsi? Yeah, I, yeah Crystal Pepsi. I love that. Yeah. It was good. Aspartame Pepsi. Go ahead. Yeah, I had a bunch of caramel f- fruit flavoring. <laughs> And aspartame. Zero sugar. It's Pepsi. Zero sugar. Zero sugar Pepsi. Okay. And finally, my prediction. Uh, I do not know. What? What, Jeff? Bunch of bullshit. you? You're it such a lame I will say that I gave I gave money to Kim Classic. Uh, I think Kasich. Kasich. Baltimore. Sorry. In Baltimore. I thought her marketing campaign was fantastic. I really do hope she wins and turns... Uh, Baltimore, that would be fantastic. That's great. That's not going to affect you at all. What's your prediction, though? <laughs> Who cares? I don't care about Kim four, m- four more years of the poli- the of non-politician. The That's you know, all I want. And if you're a listener, if you're a Patreon subscriber, <laughs> we'll have a follow-up episode on the Baltimore local politics. We're going to come up with that later. Punch you in your bros, Bibles, and balls right now. Trump 2020. Brandon. Okay. Brandon. It's brandonandrus.com. You've retooled the blog. Is that the best reference for you? Yep. Okay. Brandon. That's that's everything. That's uh, the written word. That's the books. And uh, you're also on Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, Brandon. At Brandon Andrus. I've been on Facebook since September 24th. Uh, Facebook is paying me to be off until after the election. That was true. What? That was true. Oh my gosh. What do you mean they're paying you to be off? I heard about this. Uh, They're partnering with the University of Chicago and I think some other universities. Obama territory. Study um, about the influence of social media on political belief and or... Uh, the impact on people's um, social well-being. And so how long have you been carrying water for the Democratic Party? <laughs> uh, okay. Wait, how, how much? I heard can, about that. I did not know. I, this is the first. We have an actual you, evidence. Can, can, pro, can pro you censors, say? You're censored. You're being censored. You got paid to get censored. <laughs> right. How, how much? Got Voluntarily. Bucks for six weeks, and then every time I take a survey, I get five. Bucks. What? I've taken two surveys, and I have one more to go. What if we pay you two hundred dollars to get back on? <laughs> Do it. I'm just a shill for it. <laughs> so did you? Did you have to? We will. Yeah, I wonder what the criteria bucks. was. Are you just you just making political tweets or no? No, nothing. He, uh, it just popped up on my Facebook one day and asked if I wanted to participate. I, I clicked on it, read through it, said yes. They have they deactivated my account, but they have access to all of my posts and everything that I've made to see kind of what my... Oh, my goodness. All right. So, if we weren't at hour two, oh, I would I be like, we need yeah, to go to... So seriously. maybe we just do a, like a, a separate short segment that will follow up with you on this one because this is really interesting. I'm very curious oh about goodness. this. Maybe post-election it would be good to do. Yeah, maybe. totally. 
Or write a blog about it. With your consent, of course, Brandon. That's true. They didn't lock down your blog, did they? Uh, It's fine. I mean, I was getting hacked yesterday from India, so, yeah. From India? No one saw that coming. That's not Russia. What? (laughs) 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 All right, let's get about anything, anytime. All right. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Thank Thanks so for staying up Brandon. so late. Yeah. yeah. No, great seeing you guys again. Likewise. Yeah. Been too long. Someday we'll press the flesh, and I mean that however people interpret it. <laughs> That'd be great. And uh, I'll keep you guys posted on the book. I'm hopefully uh, crossing my fingers for an early next year launch. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have you back on for that. Cool. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thanks. So this right, is thanks. Bros Bibles and Beer. And oh, yeah, you can God. catch us at I'm a terrible promoter. At, at Br- Bros Bibles and Beer. Nope. Doggone it. Bros at, Bibles Beer. There you go. It's at Bros Bibles Beer on all the socials. Yep. And you can email us at Bros Bibles Beer at gmail.com. And uh, we want to hear from you. The ratings and reviews are awesome, but even more so, find an episode that you love. And send it to a friend. Share it with a friend. And I know Brandon's going to be really pushing this around. Hi, this is Brandon Andrus, and you're listening to Bros, Bible, and Beers. (laughs) Do you want to redo that one, Brandon? (laughs) Yeah, this could be your opportunity. You could really fix this. And totally redeem yourself. (laughs) This is Brandon Andrus, and this is Bro, Bible, and Beer. (laughs) That was fantastic. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, that's great. Well, thanks for joining us, Brandon. That was awesome. And uh, listeners, obviously, if you have any feedback for us, we love to hear it. And then, oh, the last thing, uh, Zach, how can they send a, a voicemail to us that we will play on the air? I'm so glad you asked, Andy. Anchor.com. Nope. Anchor.fm slash BBB pod. Yeah. Anchor.fm slash BBB pod pod which allows you to send us a voicemail and we'll play it on the air even um, if you cuss in it we'll we'll do that too it's actually it's especially if you cuss. well there are particular words though that we will censor i'm pretty sure will you say all those words for us now so that we they, the listener knows yep ready <laughs> i told him he better not take her ribs i did not warn him though about taking her crack <laughs> <laughs> oh, that no man Zaishin. I appreciate you, Brandon. I'm just glad Brandon didn't say bro Bibles beer. <laughs> Maybe. 